0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that L. Y'all didn't expect to hear from me today, did you? Well, I, I got up nice and early. I got a, enough done via the YouTubes and whatnot that um, I kind of want get, to get, uh, get a podcast going. Plus, you guys have been flooding me with a billion really, really good questions, and I'm getting uh, behind, and I, I just want to talk about it a little bit. So, uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about this little trade that took place. It doesn't impact the Packers at all, but it's extremely interesting. And like most things, it's important to take mental notes of these things so that we can have more informed positions moving forward. The reason I say that, as I've been saying a particular thing for a very long time, and a lot of people don't agree. And I feel slightly vindicated. But it's not, again, it's it's just about understanding certain things. So if you didn't know, essentially what had happened is the there was a three-way trade. And and 100,000%, this was pre-planned. This was never going to take place until all three teams were in agreement. But essentially what had happened is the 49ers wanted to move up. They wanted to move way up. And so they reached an agreement. Obviously, the first two teams had no interest because they are locked into quarterbacks. Somebody on Facebook is trying to convince me that they're going to take, uh, the Jets are going to take a wide receiver or something stupid. That's not going to happen. They're taking a quarterback because Darnold is hot garbage. So the best they can do is talk to a team that did not want a quarterback that's sitting at three and realizes, and this is the key point here, the number three overall pick is wildly valuable. Wildly valuable. And so they could sit and take somebody like Jamar Chase, another kind of a wide receiver, but that would be stupid because you would be essentially turning down uh, the number 12 overall pick, a 2022 first, a 2023 first, and a 2021 third overall pick for Jamar Chase. He ain't worth all that. So they said, sure, sounds good. However, that's a little too far back. I don't think we're into it. So the 49ers are like, all right, well, let's let's explore this a little bit. You want to move up. What if we did some kind of a three-way trade? So they found another team that was willing to move back, a, t- a, a, a team that was— in the range that the Dolphins would like to be, that wouldn't mind being back at 12, and that's the Philadelphia Eagle. Now the Eagles are, and the Dolphins I think are in a similar position, in that they're looking for similar players. But the Dolphins are in let's stack talent mode, and the Eagles are kind of in tear down. We need a lot of picks mode. Plus the Dolphins already have a billion picks, so they gave up one of their 2022 picks because they have two 2022 picks and two 2023 picks. So they gave up one of their 2022 picks to move up with the Eagles. So Miami moved back from 3 to 12 and then moved up to 6 with the Eagles, and the Eagles moved back to 12. So at 3, you have the 49ers. At 6, you have the Miami Dolphins. And at 12, you have the Eagles. And as I mentioned in the YouTube video, which is done but not getting posted until 9 because nobody's awake and I want at least four people to watch the video, it's kind of a win-win-win. I know everyone's kind of dumping on the 49ers, but as I was doing the video, I kind of talked myself into it a little bit. The biggest issue with the 49ers is you're giving up a ton of draft capital and this is a team that's aging it's a team that's sort of kind of like you th- see with the the Bears where you know you're trying to go all in and you're lo- you're just you're crumbling at the foundation the offensive line the defensive line the cornerbacks everything that is pivotal is falling apart and you're just trying to get these flashy wide receivers and spending all this money and it's just stupid the age for the 49ers offensive line is getting a little rough There's serious concerns and questions at the cornerback position. They literally only have two guys at the position. One of them isn't that great. One of them's 30-something years old. And they're giving away a ton of picks. They no longer have a first-round pick in the next two years. And so their ability to help and not just rebuild what's falling apart naturally but to assist their new quarterback is going to be hampered. Now, the, the biggest thing that I realized on top of that, however, That is in the 49ers' benefit is to supplement, because obviously you still have a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, to supplement that you may have to go a little heavy in free agency. And what I came to find out, that's not going to be all that hard. They had, I believe, close to $30 million in, uh, or or 25-ish, I don't remember, 20 to 30, somewhere in their million dollars in 2022 projected to be. That's a good amount of money. On top of that, if they move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, that's another $30 million i got to look that up because I feel like that's, both of those are very wrong. Right, so they have $30 million in cap space, and they're going to get an additional $27 million. So we're talking $55 million after they move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, whether this year or next year. It doesn't matter outside of $1.4 million. If they keep Jimmy this year kind of as a just-in-case thing or you know maybe you kind of ease fields in, and yes, I'm just going to say it's fields because I'm like 95% sure it's going to be fields. If they do that next year, it's only going to cost them one point four million dollars. If they do it this year, then the one point four million dollars gets paid this year, which means next year they get the full twenty seven million dollars off of of the of his contract gone. So with fifty five million dollars sitting in the bank as far as cap space goes, and obviously that's not official, but um, you're in a pretty good spot now. Obviously, they got to work with their current free agents and they got to figure out all that kind of stuff and who stays and who's who goes, but. Just looking at the list, I mean, they got to give a bunch of money to Mike McGlinchey for sure. But you know, early on in the contract, you don't pay a ton of money, so they'll be fine. Especially at 55 million, you can pay him 20 million dollars. You still have 30 million dollars to spend in free agency. So the the point is, they're going to be able to supplement the loss of those picks. And and here's the other thing: they may be able to recoup picks if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I doubt they get a first round pick for him, but they can recoup some picks. So even if they get a second round pick. Now you're talking two second-round picks and a bunch of moves in free agency to be able to supplement the loss of two first-round picks. I think they'll be all right. The, the, the biggest concern I have is that we gave up a ton of a draft capital just to let the Jaguars and the Jets dictate who my quarterback is. Now, obviously, they're moving up with the belief that there are three or four quarterbacks that we really, really like. I mean, four is kind of irrelevant, but they they have a top three, and they're looking at those top three, and they went to the pro days, and they did the homework, and they did the interviews, and they said, there are three guys that we believe can take us to the promised land. And so we're comfortable moving up to three, but just from a a pride standpoint, that kind of sucks. You know, you got the Jaguars and Jets throwing you the scraps. That sucks a little bit. Again, it doesn't matter as, as long as you love the guy and you think that he can get it done regardless, but that's just not great. So that's from their standpoint. The Eagles, again, it makes sense because you're still going to get a good pick. You're still probably going to get like Jalen Waddle or something to that effect, possibly get uh, Micah Parsons. I mean, he'll be available whether or not they want to go that route or get a receiver or whatever, or or whatever, cornerbacks. There's going to be some great cornerbacks sitting in that spot, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan or whoever. They know they can get some value at 12. They also, not that anything's finalized, but they believe that there's going to be... uh, you know, some talent or whatever. The point is more picks takes precedent and they got a first round pick out of it. And so they couldn't turn that down. Now I have a general disdain for pick 12 because of a little research project I did in the past, which shows that that's where the talent plummets. So I'd be a little uncomfortable, but you know, whatever. But yeah, there you go. So in terms of how I think that this plays out, Gets a little bit interesting. Um, it kind of locks in that number three pick that used to be where things get interesting, right? Could there be a trade? Could it be Penny Sewell? Could it be maybe a quarterback or something crazy? Could it be uh wide receiver, Kyle Pitts? Well, if we were to do a mini mock draft here live, uh Trevor Lawrence is gonna go number one. I think the Jets I mean, it's just I just think it's Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, again, he was or not again, I think I said it on the the I don't know. But I believe he was the best quarterback in, in football last year, better than Trevor Lawrence. And his pro day, he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And I just think the Jets are going to go for the home run hitter. The, the only real concern is the fact that he uh, is kind of a one-year wonder. You know, he wasn't super great. And that out of nowhere, this guy just tore it up. But, I mean, just he's he's got all the attributes. And he's, you know, going to his pro day, pulling off the Pat Mahomes throws, like, oh, check me out. I can do this stuff. And it's like, all right. you And he, and he nailed it. So it's like, all right, you you got it. Justin Fields is is good. And I and I think for for the 49ers it makes a lot of sense because you're kind of just looking for an intelligent, accurate distributor of the football. You don't need Pat Mahomes. You don't know, I don't know if you even want Pat Mahomes. You know, that was the whole issue with Aaron Rodgers and and Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers is being Aaron Rodgers, which is, you know, in that Pat Mahomes vein kind of thing. I don't want to say he's Pat Mahomes because obviously Aaron Rodgers was first. Mahomes is Rodgers, not the other way around. But he kind of had to rail, r- reel that in a little bit. Like, listen, I need less superhero nonsense, and I need you to just shut up and, and do what I tell you to do. And if you can't do that, then we're going to have a problem. And Rogers did. He just kind of—he still had some great throws, and that's cool. We can work that in. You know, if you need to do some crazy stuff, it's cool that you can do the crazy stuff. But I'm not here for the crazy stuff. It's kind of like when we talk about 4-2 speed at wide receiver. Like, that's cool, and I'm sure we can bust that out, and occasionally that's going to really work for us. But in the meantime, I need you to just be a wide receiver and just do what you need to do, run the route that I tell you to run, the way I tell you to run it, and, you know, just shut up and do what I say. Because Shanahan relies on scheme. LaFleur relies on scheme a lot of times. It's an intelligent, a very heady kind of a system where we, you know, set things up so that later we can kind of make you think we're doing something, we do something else, and we manipulate the defense so that they do what we want and they play into our tricks and our traps and everything. It's just... It's crazy, but we need a quarterback to just be there to do the job. And and as far as accuracy and, and safe quarterbacks and all that, Justin Fields checks a massive box there. He's good under pressure. He can stand in the pocket, you know, kind of Tom Brady-esque. He's just going to pick you apart down the field. Also hoping everybody in the, the Virginia Beach area is doing all right. Why is everybody going crazy all of a sudden? What is going on? The weather's starting to get nice. Like, is that what it is? Like, everybody's thawing out and coming out of their house, and now, like, the crazy people are released from their shells? I feel like everyone should be getting happier, you know? Like, you know, the, the, the COVID thing's getting much better. Things are opening up. You know, every you know you got establishments and states and the draft and the NFL and sports things being like, yeah, I think we're good now. We're going to go back to packing stadiums and everything. It's like, dude, this is good. This is great stuff. Going back to normal. It's like, nope, I'm already crazy. It's It's too late for me. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the world. Maybe we've got to identify the crazies and tell them that things are getting worse and just keep them in their homes. it's real crazy out there, man. You better hide in your basement for like the next forever. Just a theory. Anyways, Um. so yes, I, I believe that means the Justin Fields will go to the 49ers. There's still, uh, that popped up on my phone is the only reason I interrupted with that. I got this police scanner thing and it pops up like when there's a surge of people listening to an area and then it says on their active shooter. It was from last night, but it just popped up. Um, the Falcons now, I think a lot of people are thinking Trey Lance is going to go here. The Falcons fans and everybody are 100,000% certain that they're going quarterback. They do have a new regime. I'm still not 100% sold. They do have a quarterback that costs way too. It's kind of a similar situation with Aaron Rodgers. The guy's getting paid way too much. The biggest difference is they're in teardown mode, and they have a new regime, and Matt Ryan ain't Aaron Rodgers. So take our situation and add those things in, and you can understand why a larger portion of the fan base is thinking, yeah, we need to kind of draft the quarterback here. And they didn't even draft anyone, and they're sitting at four. They're probably mad that the 49ers just leapfrogged them because it's like, dude, I don't know if they're into Trey Lance. If they're not, then they're kind of in a tough spot here. They can't trade up. The 49ers and the Jets and the Jaguars are not trading, so they're stuck, and they may have just lost their three. So if they're into it, then fine, they go Trey Lance. Otherwise, Pene Sewell does make sense. This offensive line is is quite decimated. I mean, they got Jake Matthews. Um, he's actually only 29 and they got Caleb McGarry. I don't know if they like. I don't know. Maybe they won't go that route. I don't know if they can kick some of these guys inside or if they're just not, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to pass on them, but wh- what do you do with three tackles? I'm not, I don't know. It's not really my problem to figure out. This could actually be another solid trade territory if they just don't like Trey Lance. You talk to the Lions, you talk to the Panthers and you say, you guys are interested. I do think there's a good chance Trey Lance goes here, if not Penny Sewell. Um. So let's say the Panthers come up and they take uh, Trey Lance. Bengals obviously take Penny Sewell. So the Dolphins are sitting in a fantastic spot, getting the best player that they possibly can. I'm actually going to say that that's Kyle Pitts. I just think that he's going to be the top of all the weapons. Lions then get the top pick of the wide receivers, so they take Jamar Chase uh, to backfill the guy that they just lost. Falcons back on the clock. I mean, who cares? I don't really know. Probably not wide receiver unless you're looking to replace Julio. Give them Sertan. Broncos take uh, Farley. Dallas really wants a corner, but there's, you know, I mean, unless we want to reach on J.C. Horn, mm. I'll give him Parsons. I don't know. Giants obviously going to take Devontae Smith in this spot. So with the Eagles, now I'm not going to do a full first round. I just want to go to the Eagles. You're still looking at Rashawn Slater if you want an offensive lineman. Jalen Waddle, Christian Derrissaw is another tackle. Quitty Pay uh would be a solid pickup. Uh, J.C. Horn, I think, is a really solid player for the Eagles who desperately need some cornerback help so they're going to be fine. And again, this doesn't really impact the Packers at all. I don't think that this is going to, I can't think of a scenario necessarily in which this changes anything because everybody that was going to be gone is going to end up being gone anyways. It kind of renormalizes by the time you get to about pick 20, everything's back to the way that it was. So it's interesting. Um, but I think I'm fairly confident that's what it's going to be. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields go one, two, three, possibly number four, depending on what the Falcons think at number four, could go quarterback. Um, otherwise, I do think there's a good, it's, it's either going to be quarterback, offensive tackle, or I believe a trade. It doesn't have to be. I mean, they could go Kyle Pitts or whatever, but number again, looking at the value proposition, um, they were able to pick up just by moving back using this simulator, They moved back from four to eight, and they got like a second round pick out of it. I think that I had to give back something, but whatever. So anyways, that's that news. We are going to uh, take a quick little breaky break, come back and answer a couple more questions that you guys have been uh, throwing at me. Do want to say thank you to Taylor for jumping in on the Patreon. I guess I forgot to mention his name. That or he just missed the episode where I did. I don't know. We'll see. And uh, Eric Spiegel for jumping in on Patreon and I believe Venmo, if I'm not mistaken. Not sure if I've ever had a double donor like that. Like, pick one. He's like, meh, no. Eric does whatever he wants. So again, any and all support that you can provide would be greatly appreciated. We got patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, where you can support the podcast for as little as a buck a month. One dollar. That's it. That's it. You can also jump over to iTunes. Leave me a five-star iTunes review there in hopes that someday iTunes will recognize that people actually like this show and will put me above the, uh, The Nuns Who Do Yoga podcast when you search for Packers or whatever. Uh, But thank you to Youper Robert for the five-star iTunes review, as well as uh, Winell 88 May have already touched on those, but thanks anyways. We are up to 415 uh, ratings, so that's pretty cool. I think 500 before the draft is silly. I'm not even going to try to shoot for that. 500 before the season. How does that sound? 500 before the start of the season would be a cool little goal. Anyways, let's take a break, and we'll get to some questions. So just so you know, if I don't answer your question, it's not because I hate you or whatever. It's just I haven't gotten to it yet. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine questions sitting here. Um, A handful of them I have labeled as I still need to look into it and answer some more questions or, or, you know, think it through a little bit more. So I'll get there when I get there, but I haven't gotten there. Occasionally, there's a question that kind of It waits so long that it's kind of out of style, and then I end up just deleting it. That happens sometimes. I apologize, but it is what it is. Uh, Let's start at the top of the list here. Uh, JJ sent a question. What are your thoughts on the conclusion put forth by Andy Herman? And that is based on a tweet. And the tweet says, the more I think about the offseason, the more I think Green Bay got caught in no man's land. They can't blow up the team because they're coming off back-to-back NFC Championship games and have a ton of talent, but can't go all in and add talent because of cap restraints. Run it back was the middle ground. I mean, I think that's, it's kind of fair, but it's sort of over-explaining things. I think we can really honestly boil this down to uh, the Packers would have added somebody if they had more money, but they didn't have money. I mean, legitimately, the rest of this is kind of unnecessary, but it's it's true. And I agree with it. For example, the option that they could have blown up the team isn't an option. As he pointed out, it's not an option because they went to -to back-to-back NFC championship games and have a ton of talent. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, with the house buying situation. If, if you don't really have a lot of money, it's like saying, well, you know, we got three options. You can buy a new house, but we don't really have enough money. You can keep renting or you can burn your house on fire. Don't want to burn your house on fire because you still live there. We don't have any money to buy a new house. So the middle ground was to keep renting, right? It, it, so, yeah, right. Or we boil that down to we're still renting because we can't afford to get a house right now. They do have a very good team. They didn't tear it down because they do have a very good team. They can't add talent because of cap restraints, so they just brought the same guys back to make sure that they're still a good team, and uh, that's it. That's the end of the story. So, uh, do I agree? Yes. Um, Scott asked the question: Could a long snapper that doesn't send the ball six feet off target help J.K. Scott's punting, or does that not matter since he has go-go gadget arm? Um, I mean, it's 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 one of those questions that really isn't a question, is it? <laughs> it we're we're kind of we're kind of two for two on the uh, not real. Not real questions kind of thing. I mean, obviously, yes, a bad snap is going to hurt the timing of of punting, which is a massive part of punting, right? It comes down to timing. The only real note I would put in here is that I generally disagree with the fan base's perception that J.K. Scott is a bad punter. This is a very strong, and, and it's almost as if it's just assumed. Like, everybody knows he's just not good, and it was just a bad pick, and it was stupid, and he's a bad punter. That's just not true. He's had a couple bad punts. He's not a bad punter. And I know you didn't directly say that, but I feel like you indirectly say that, said that by saying, "Could it help his punting?" And that's kind of what I mean by it. It's just it's sort of assumed among most Packer fans that he's just he's not good. He's a bad punter. Um, again, there are a couple times where the punts don't go quite as far as you'd like, but the the returns on the punting is has nothing to do with J.K. Scott. That has to do with the fact that we don't have really good gunners. And I do think if we had better gunners. Um, people would be a little higher on J.K. Scott, which is stupid, but I think that's how people's brains work. If, if he kicks the ball and somebody's there and just smokes him right away, or if they have to call a fair catch and there's no return, then, yeah, everybody's going to be a little bit more excited about J.K. Scott. Also, some people, and this is going to completely set me off, some people are mad that J.K. Scott isn't tackling people well enough. Give me a break. J.K. Scott isn't the tackling guy. He's the punting guy. Again, he's getting flack because the, everybody else on the team sucks. Our special teams coach is bad, and he, the way he designs what he does is terrible. And then the guys we have on the field are not doing their job. They're not in the right space. They're not getting off blocks. They're not getting down the field fast enough, and they're not making tackles. And so it ends up getting to J.K. Scott, which it never should get to J.K. Scott ever. There never should be a guy that gets to J.K. Scott. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not beating up on you, Scott. I'm kind of beyond you and talking to other people now. But that that whole thing kind of annoys me. But um, yeah, his longest punt last year was 62 yards. He averages 4.57 hang time, with his uh, best hang time being 5.15, 5 seconds, 5.15 seconds. Um, He had 17 punts that landed inside the 20. Almost every single game had at least one, and there were a couple games where we just didn't punt, so that's quite impressive. Um, Only 37% of his punts were returned, and there were only, get this, only three times did he punt, and it was a touchback which is not what you want. You don't want a touchback. So 17 times he, la- he got it to land inside the 20, only three times it got into the end zone. His grades over three years, if you just look at his punting grades, have gone from a 64 to a 72 to a 78.6. So he's gotten better every single year, and that's under the tutelage of a um, generally seen as a terrible special teams coach. And if we just look at punters in general, he was graded as the fourth best punter out of 34 punters in the NFL. Jack Fox of Detroit, Bradley Pinion of Tampa Bay, and Michael Dixon of Seattle, um, two of which at least are known to be just absolute freaks, were the only three that graded out higher than J.K. Scott, and to a small degree. Again, J.K. Scott graded out at, uh, let's see, this is just the regular season, it looks like. So in the regular season, he had a 77.9, which is even a little bit higher. The highest graded puncher graded out at 82.8, so about 4 grade points whatever so it's another thing too where it's like you got to be careful what you wish for he had the highest hang time of any punter in the nfl he was tied with uh, joseph carlton at four five seven if you look at just like the median range if i just come in here to like 16 it's four three seven so 0.2 seconds over about the median so i mean he's he's a good punter he just is and yeah and i do think he'll probably get better if we can find a better long snapper i don't think we just brought him in maybe i don't know But there have been some snapping issues, not putting that in the right spot. And yeah, I think uh, getting a better special teams coach, hopefully that's what we got. Somebody that can teach him a couple things, uh, as well as just getting a better supporting staff, getting better people on the field during special teams that can actually tackle when he makes a good punt, rather than it's a great punt and uh, nobody's there, so he returns it another 20 yards. I like the question, but you got to be careful when you come at my man, J.K. Scott. (laughs) And again, look, if he's bad, he's bad, right? And that's unacceptable and you got to be better. But again, there's just this weird general feeling like he's, he's just trash. And what do we do to make him better? Like he's, he's not, though. He's a good punter. I don't know what I don't understand the question. Um, question from Roger Davis. Has anything been said about NFL Sunday ticket in the new TV contract? My wife despises that fee. Every year we have the same conversation slash battle. Um, when we first moved to Madison, uh, I got a massive raise to come here. And I thought I was rich. Which is the uh, kind of a theme with me as a young adult. You know, you you get that first job for like twenty bucks an hour, like a you know big boy job, and it's like, dude, I'm so rich. Then you like move out and um, get married and and have a child. Then you have another child, and it's like, wait a minute, hold, hold on, hold on. I'm pretty sure I was rich when I was living at home making twenty bucks an hour. I had a lot of money. What what happened here? So then I get a pay raise and we move to Madison where it's more expensive and add more children. And, you know, again, you think you're rich and you get a gym membership and you get the massive TV cable package and all you just get a bunch of stuff. And then it's like, whoop nope, never mind. Turns out uh, we're we're still broke. So we need to delete all of these things. So we had one year of spending way too much money. And then I had to get rid of every membership that I signed up for in that first year, including Sunday ticket, which is pretty nice. But it was almost overwhelming. Like, I'm trying to watch all these things at the exact same time. I think Red Zone is actually a pretty decent alternative. Just throwing that out there. I did get Red Zone this past year. Um, It seems like it wouldn't be all that great, but it's kind of nice. There's no commercials, which my wife hates the commercials when my kids are trying to watch it. And there's, like, horror movies popping up and all other kind of nonsense that little four- or five-year-old kids don't need to be watching. But there's no there's no uh there's none of that. There's no commercials, it's just nonstop football twenty-four-seven. And they just switch to relevant things and they give you highlights and it's kind of nice. So it's it's a lot cheaper. Consider that. As far as your specific question, um, we don't know any details. In fact, we don't even know who's going to buy it. There's just discussions by a handful of different companies that would like to acquire that particular package. Um specifically, ESPN, Amazon, and NBC Sports are three that have been um rumored to be in talks for taking that over. Now the the automatic bad news is that they're talking about 2023, possibly moving that up to 2022, but this year you're going to have to have that battle. And again, I would consider a compromise of red zone. It is a pretty solid compromise. However, in looking at this, I have some speculation, and that is that I do think there's a good chance the price will come down. Obviously, when you think about it, it's going to be a massive acquisition. And the automatic assumption is if you're going to buy it, it's because you want it to be a cash cow and that's what it is and largely because of the high price. However, not every acquisition is about making massive bank. Sometimes it's just about drawing things in and, and companies are willing to take losses just to grow their company. You know, when Google acquired YouTube, they lost way, way too much money. I, I can't even remember the number, but it was stupid money every single year. They just lost it. And in that time, they grew YouTube. They squashed every other company competitor that that existed because at the time there's all kinds of little tubes popping up all over the place. They annihilated everybody by by just taking massive losses that nobody else can and then eventually started making money with YouTube. Um, and when you have powerhouses like Amazon, ESPN and NBC, they have that ability, unlike you have uh DirecTV, for example, which is sort of a dying industry, the the cable industry. I, I've got a handful of people that I know that have cable, I don't think I know too many people under 60 that still have it. Some do. I think maybe somebody at work might have it or something, but it's just not common anymore to have cable, to have satellite, to have whatever. It's just not an economical thing. It's way too expensive, and they give you a ton of stuff that you don't want, and that's all negotiated. And that's kind of the point. They they say, if you want this, you have to buy this package, because it can't, these channels can't survive on their own, and the, the places like DirecTV don't want to die if... If it's just based on you paying for individual channels you want, then you know out of the 50,000 channels that they have, there's only going to be about 19 left that can sustain themselves. So they have to sell these packages so that they can say that we have 5,000 channels that they can give you and it has some kind of value. And so that's why when you buy NFL Sunday Ticket, you're buying this package that comes with a bunch of other channels. It comes with satellite installation and guys in trucks and all this massive overhead. And I think when you get an acquisition by one of these other channels, you're not going to have that. We're not selling you a package. We're not selling you a satellite. We're not selling you installation or any of that stuff. It's a, it's a, a, It could be a package, I suppose. But it's going to be a much smaller package, and I do think it's going to come with a, a price discount, I would assume. One of the ones that sticks out in particular, because it's not going to be just ESPN, Amazon, and NBC Sports, what it would be is either Peacock, which is NBC Sports, which I didn't realize that. Peacock is sort of like Hulu, which... Again, interesting. There's a ton of these little things that are popping up all over the place. You've got uh, Peacock. Um, I've got Voodoo, which I got just because they were selling uh, The Office, the the entire season for Dirt Cheap. And that's right when The Office was taken off Netflix. So it's like, I need to buy that. So I have Voodoo for that. Um, I got Tubi because I think Tubi had The new Reno 911 relaunch, which was kind of trash. I mean, there was like one scene that was hilarious, and I saw that. I'm like, dude, there's a new Reno, and I watched it. It's kind of trash. But that's why I got Tubi. So they're all all popping up. They're all trying to jockey for... So this would be NBC, who launched Peacock as their little micro-streaming platform. This would be their push. And again, I think it would behoove them, not to say free... But to bring it on for cheap, because if you're going to bring that on and charge $400, you're not going to bring a lot of people over to Peacock and people are going to still be staying on Hulu and Tubi and all these other things. Not that they're going to knock off Hulu, but you know what I'm saying. They're trying to break into that market. And I think the best thing they can do is offer it at a discount. If you can even drop that to $99, I think that still brings a lot of people over to your your, your system, whatever. Um, ESPN has ESPN+. Plus, That is a package. But... That may be a thing where, and I don't know if they would just wrap it up into ESPN Plus, or if they would have like an EM ESPN Plus Premium, or maybe they just up ESPN Plus. Whatever, I don't know what that costs. Yeah, it says it's five ninety nine a month or sixty bucks a year. There's, I I would be surprised if they just roll that up in there. But think about how much money they would bring in. I mean, there's there's people like me who are kind of on the fence, anyways, for six dollars a month to get. The, I mean, so again, I I'm I'm guessing they would have a ESPN Plus Plus or something. But even so, what is it going to be? Sixty bucks a month? That's still a, a, a well. It wouldn't be per month. That's kind of expensive. Whatever. It could be. How long is a football season? Six months. So forty nine ninety nine. It's three hundred dollars for the football season. But even so, if they if they just rolled it up into ESPN Plus and let's say they didn't add anything else, sixty bucks and you get it. And ESPN gets a massive infusion of people coming over. So again, it just comes down to what the um, the plan is. I mean, it has to be cost effective. You're not going to pay a billion dollars for something that's going to net you a hundred million. I mean, maybe if it's a hundred million a year, you could look at it from that standpoint. That would be fine if they can justify that. But it, it just it depends what the plan is. But I would assume that there is going to be a cost reduction. But again, the plan is for 2023, um, possibly 2022. And actually, this is why I really want these companies to get involved, because the more it's why I don't like the TV contracts in general. I don't like the long term contracts, because these you get these dinosaurs in the television industry that pay the money to be able to put these on really expensive cable packages you know like the monday night football the thursday whatever it is thursday night football and i have to pay a ridiculous amount of money for this nonsense and i just wish you know you, you look at like twitter dabbled in it for a while they they had like one where they streamed on twitter it was free but think how much money they're going to make because you can still put commercials on it and think about how many people are on twitter and suddenly you get on Twitter and you just stream it there and people can watch it and you're selling advertisements in these games, you're gonna have a stupid amount of people watching these games. Might be a little bit annoying for the older generation, but but as the 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 you know, as we move forward where more and more people are, you know, tech savvy, I mean, again, very few people are the people that are still stuck with cable and everybody else has got these little micro streaming platforms you know, Hulu uh, Live Sport, Hulu Live or ESPN Plus or whatever. And so it's going to be more beneficial to have like Amazon streaming it on their platform or whatever. And again, they they, they put it on their premium platform, which costs you like 60 bucks, but you're competing. That's the that's the reason why you're not going to just stack a massive price tag on it. You're competing with all these other things. If you're Hulu and you've got your Hulu Live Sports thing or like YouTube Red, I, I got YouTube the entire last year. It was kind of expensive. But I got it so I could get Red Zone. So that was the only reason that won over Hulu and all these other things. So again, that's why if you're ESPN Plus or whatever, you put that on there, you charge 50, 60 bucks a month or whatever, and it's cheaper than the hundred and some odd dollars that you're paying per month for that cable package. I don't know, just just thinking out loud. I'm assuming that price is coming down when it goes somewhere else, but it's going to be a couple of years. What else we got here? I'm gonna. I'll probably stop here because I want to make sure I still have some questions in case I want to do a podcast tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna solicit some more questions, so get back in the Facebook group if you have more questions and throw them in there. Uh, I want to keep restocking this list, but we'll end with this one. Ryan Raspberry says, "Should we have moved on from Kevin King? What was our other options if we did? Can we get Kyle Fuller? How is our defense improving? Is it only a coaching change that will take us over the top? A lot of questions here. Should we have moved on from Kevin King?" Listen I there's a there's a lot here. It seems to me and, and this is very confusing and I'm kind of new to this voided years kind of a thing. It seems to me like this is basically a, a one-year deal for like 1.3 million dollars or something stupid and I, again, I don't exactly know how this works, but right now we're paying him 1.9 million dollars and there is a uh, fully guaranteed amount of 3.75 million. So we still have 1.8 million dollars that has to go on the cap somewhere at some time, and I don't know exactly how this all works out. And it sounds like there's there's a real risk of of I I don't know I don't it's just but let's just start with the one year 1.9 million dollars. It's fine. I think the biggest problem I have with the assumption is the fan base generally says at four million dollars it's a steal. I don't know that that's true. Here's my issue. I had asked the question in the Facebook group. Where do you think? kevin king ranks among other corner uh, amongst number two corners not corners in the nfl number twos because somebody had asked me that question we know that he doesn't rank out very well among all corners but how does he rank against specifically number two corners and so i asked between one and 32 where do you think he ranked in 2020 and where do you think his career average grade ranks so looking at the results here um Here's how I phrased it. I said before I start looking it up, because I, I didn't want I didn't want anyone to think that I already knew and that I was kind of like baiting you into something. How do you think Kevin King ranks among number two corners in the NFL? The tied for the number one answers were 14th and 20th. Third was 30th, uh sixth said ninth, and on and on from there. Nobody actually got the right answer. It seems like there's obviously some uh some groupthink here because there's only like a handful of numbers picked. But I think, you know, in the general areas is kind of what people were going for. But of all the people that voted, only 10 got it at or worse. In other words, most people overestimated it. 9 said 14, 9 said 20, 6 said ninth, 2 said he was number 1, 2 said that he was 12th, and 1 said he was 8th. He's 27th among number two corners in the NFL, 27th. Again, I asked the question before I start looking it up, how do you think Kevin King ranks among number two corners in the NFL in career NFL grade? Because that was also brought up. Okay, he had a bad year, but, but last year he was really good, so that's kind of unfair. Okay, over the course of his entire career, if you average those out, and I spent the time, I went through every single number two NFL quarterback or cornerback, and I averaged out their PFF grade. Where do you think over the course of a career he ranked? And this one, I got a lot more responses. One person Actually got it exactly right. But the uh, the tied for no, 21 people said he was probably 12th. 21 people said 26th. Eight people said 20, uh, 21st. Four people said 18th. Those are the top four votes, and all of them were ranked too high. Three people said 32nd. That's a little too low. And then 10th, 13th, 14th, 24th, 25th, 28th, 5th, 9th, 11th, 16th, 27th, 29th, and 30th. The answer, once again, is 27th. So again, he's 27th. We had three people say 32nd, we had two people say 28th, one said 27, 29, and 30. Everybody else was too high on Kevin King, so even among a fan base that knows he's not great, you still don't fully understand how bad he is. There's still a general feeling that he's not that bad. That it's just, it's, a, it's an overreaction. He's not that bad of a football player. He's kind of good. It's just sometimes, you know, he, get, he, he tweaks his uh, shoulder and he he's just falls off a little bit. But he's pretty good. He's pretty good when he's healthy or, or, you know, he's not great. But no, listen to me. He's bad. He's a bad football player. And I had some people say, well, it's not about grades. It's about stats. That doesn't work that way because the stats don't tell you anything. What, it, what is it you're going to get from a statistic? I mean, what, total receptions? I just, it's, these these don't make sense. Well, look at how many touchdowns they gave up. It's a stupid stat because the most touchdowns given up by any corner was nine. Nine. So if you go through all the, the top, uh, the number two corners, all 32 number two corners, it's somewhere between zero and nine. Are you, you going to rank based on that? The most interceptions was 10, and that was by a number one. I think J.C. Jackson might be a number two. I don't really remember, but he had nine. Every the next highest was four. So if you don't count the first two guys, we're somewhere between zero and four. So it's just there's there's no real quantifiable statistic that tells me anything. And again, we're talking about almost a thousand snaps, and I'm going to make a determination based on four plays or even touchdowns. Six, you know, if, if you give up five touchdowns, I'm 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 going to make a fully a full determination of what you've done out of a thousand plays based on five. That's not, that's why grades matter more to me because out of a thousand snaps, they grade one thousand of them. So, look, I, you know, I'm not saying that all I want to do is put things in their prop, proper perspective. If you can understand what I just told you and you're still fine with this, great. But as long as we fully understand what it is we're talking about, it's not a decent number two option, it's a bad number two option. And by the way, some of the guys that were worse than him, were rookies, meaning they've only had one year. I think there were like two or three rookies that had a worse career average than Kevin King because they've only had one year. So that makes it even a lot worse. If you remove rookies from the equation, he's going to drop significantly to the bottom of the list. And the other thing to note is there's not one single person who played worse than him in 2020 and worse than him in their career outside of like one rookie. In other words, either Kevin King ranked uh, better than somebody this year, but over the course of their career, the other guy was better than Kevin King, or Kevin King generally has had a better career, but uh, did not play as well as that guy in this year. So he's he is bottom of the barrel. Now, again, I, I'm fine having him because we need human bodies there, but it's just, it's not, it's not great, and he does need to be replaced, and we do need to move on, and I am concerned, again, for, if you just told me right now it's $2 million, fine, I'm fine with it. I am, because it, we know what he is, and we know what this defense can be with him on the field, and there's also the chance that he does massively improve under this new defensive coordinator. So again, I want to repeat that, because if he plays really, really well, I don't want to hear, oh, what now? What now? Nothing. What now is that he's no longer a terrible cornerback, He's now a good cornerback. Never in my life have I said he's bad and he's always going to be bad. I'm just repeating to you what he's done, so that you know. It's like the whole Devontae thing. Like, oh yeah, y'all hated me back, back then, but now y'all love me. No, back then we said you were a bad wide receiver because you were, and now we say you're a good wide receiver because you are. That's just, that's the reality of the situation. I'm sorry if some people were mean about it. I, you know, that's, you have a right to be mad about that, and you can do whatever you want with that information. But they weren't wrong. You were bad. So, I, you know, get over it. But again, the, the biggest concern I have is what does this mean going forward? Um, Next year in 2022, there is, um, in February of February 22nd of next year, the uh, 2022 through 2025 contract years void, meaning I believe they accelerate into 2022, meaning there is a $3 million cap hit um, on his head. Now, there has to be a reason for doing that because he could have just given him a two year contract and made it $2 million this year, $3 million next year. I don't know if there's a situation where if we cut him before February 22nd, these void years do not go into effect. But at the same time, there's still some guaranteed money that has to be paid. So I don't know how that worked. Now we've already paid him, I believe, all the cash that he's going to get. So it's not a matter of we owe him more money. We don't owe him anything. Actually, that's that's completely. Never mind. Yeah, I. I... The void years are kind of. They're just completely irrelevant because we have to pay. It. It just. It's like it temporarily spreads it out. It. The only reason I can think that you would do this is if you're going to give him an extension. Because the prorated bonus that was, so we we paid him a a check of three point seven five million dollars. That's all the guarantees he gets. So the guarantees are gone. He also gets a base salary of one million dollars a uh, roster bonus of two hundred thousand and a workout bonus of fifty thousand. So in cash he got three point seven. He's gonna get another million dollars. So that'll be five point seven. Um and then the additional will bring it up to six million dollars in total in his pocket by the end of this year, assuming he hits all these bonuses and everything else. And if he doesn't, it's only two hundred thousand in bonuses. Next year, regardless of what happens, we have to pay that prorated bonus. So it doesn't really matter. We can't get out of it. That has to hit the cap. So so it's a it's a cap hit of three million dollars for Kevin King if we cut them or if we keep them but if we keep them then it's just a void year so we have to provide them a new contract so it's kind of like we're just taking on three million dollars I don't know man it's it's almost as if I'm kind of just thinking through this sorry I'm figuring this out as I'm talking to you rather than figuring it out before I talk to you it's kind of like we pre-cut Kevin King next year imagine that we had him on a however many million dollar for however many year deal and it's a 1.9 million dollar contract this year. And then next year is whatever it is with a $3 million dead cap hit. So rather than guessing, I wonder if we're going to cut him. And if we do, it's only a $3 million dead cap. We don't have to guess anymore. We're cutting him next year and it's going to be a $3 million dead cap hit. We just gave ourselves a dead cap hit next year of $3 million so that we can rent him this year for one year and then kill ourselves next year. I hate this so much. It's not a $1.9 million. It's, it's $2 million to use him this year, $3 million next year on the cap to not even have him. Honestly, the absolute best case scenario is that Kevin King absolutely balls out and we give him a, another contract. That's the best case scenario. But I don't know if we can even afford him. I don't know. Not worrying about that today. But that's that's, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. To answer your question, should we have cut Kevin King? Yes. I believe we should have. million for Kevin King. It's $5 million for Kevin King. It's not 1.9. It's not two. It's five. We're just paying two this year and three next year. We're paying $5 for Kevin King. I don't like it. And yeah, I know we need human bodies and all that. And I understand that this takes a little bit of pressure off. I get all that. I don't know. It's probably just because we're in such a a tight cap hit. I I guess it's, if if the cap wasn't so bad, I guess I wouldn't hate it as much. I just don't like that we're ruining our cap in the future. I mean, this is just bad, bad stuff. $3 3 million dollars for nothing and we're not even going to pretend that we're going to bring him back next year. We basically pre-cut him and took a 3 million dollar cap hit. I just man, I don't know. We'll worry about next year next year. Um Kevin King is back. Again, he's I guess we can say at least he is a number 2. I mean, if we compared him to number 3s, he'd probably be pretty solid. So, you know, there's there's that angle. We got some guys on our team that probably aren't even number 3s, so and again, sit, rolling it all the way back to the beginning with the Andy Herman thing the, the point is It's a good football team. It just is. There are some not-so-great players. But if we can just get better production out of the guys that we have, looking right at you, Joe Barry, we'll be fine. But anyways, that's it for me. I'm going to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow or Monday. Have a good one. Bye-bye.